I am Citizen 44. This show is sponsored by Luna Sushi, Ho Chi Minh City's number one sushi delivery restaurant. Incredible. I actually live above the restaurant. They deliver to all districts, and I've got to tell you, the food is excellent. It's as good a quality of sushi as anything I've had in the States or here in Ho Chi Minh City. The menu's vast. It's delicious. Luna Sushi. Lunasushi.com. You are listening to Citizen 44 with Mark Ahrensberth, live from Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam. Hey everybody, Mark Ahrensberg here. Welcome to Citizen 44. This is show number 92. 92 is 11. 11 11 is my children's mother's birthday. And Lean Ann and her girlfriend told me that 11 11 is a significant number that represents some numerological significance to my life. I see it all the time, and it is one of those things like the 44, the 33, the 55. I do have these symbols prevalent in my life. I know there's a scientific explanation with physiological ramifications around familiarity and recall and some part of the uh, lower brainstem something. Yeah, show number 92. We've got Allison Smith on the show, longtime friend Allison Smith. I met Allison when she was 18, which is like 20 years ago, at a drive-through Dutch Brothers coffee kiosk in Ashland, Oregon. I was a bit struck by her beauty. At the time, I was photographing people quite a bit and asked her innocently if she would be interested in being photographed. But a middle-aged man driving through a kiosk to get coffee and uh, approaching her as young as she was at the time, she blew me off for the most part. She's very sweet and did it very diplomatically. And uh, needless to say, like a year or two later, after seeing me around town and whatnot, she finally agreed to it, which led to her being my studio assistant and then, of course, longtime friend now. So... It's great to have her on the show. She's got a uh, EP out called The Ren, W-R-E-N. Her music name is L-S-N, as in the letter L, the letter S, and the letter N. Look for her and her EP wherever music is sold online. Yeah, Saigon. Been having a lot of fun with some people here recently. Did the Bowie VN thing the other night sucking down nitrous oxide and smoking hookahs and I hadn't really done any of that so I went out with uh, Harry and June on I guess it was uh, Friday night and it was super fun I was telling my friend Alan Hicks I'm like a sore thumb here I really stick out it's all good I actually like it I enjoy being the exotic bird walking around the streets of Saigon it's all good here the weather's pretty good right now it's cooled off a little bit I had some motorbike trouble, but that got managed. The bike is solid, super fun, love riding it. Cannot imagine not having a motorbike in Saigon. The job is good. Christmas is coming, which seems ridiculous, which means 2021 is right around the corner. I said that this illness was going to come this year, and it did. But I feel that next year we'll get a handle on this. 
And uh, hopefully people will be nicer to each other in 2021, more patient with each other, more loving with each other. And speaking of loving, happy Hanukkah to all my uh, Hebrew brethren out there. I think we're on night number two. I guess it depends on where you are in the world. Happy Hanukkah. Here's Allison. Allison Smith. Hello. It's good to see your face. It's good to see you. Yeah. It was fun to catch up with you preliminarily and schedule this so we could see each other and chat it up. Absolutely. How is it out there in Vietnam right now? It's lovely. It's overcast today. There's a bird chirping outside my window on the balcony. It's all good. Where are you? I'm in Oakland, California at the moment. You know, I was living in Mexico for the last year in Mexico City, which was amazing. Yeah. But at the beginning of this whole COVID thing, there was a scare that I wasn't going to be able to get out of the country. And they were threatening this travel ban within like a few days. So I had to kind of think fast. I was in San Francisco finishing up the finishing touches on my EP and heard this news and was like, oh shit, I better get back to Mexico and move out of my place. So I did. I went down. I was there for 36 hours. I moved out of my place, flew back to the Bay Area, and then got a place down in L.A. And I was in L.A. for a few months until I realized that I wasn't going to really be able to do anything or at least much in L.A. music-wise. And it made more sense for me to be back in the Bay Area where I have a community and some people that I can at least kind of stay in a bubble with and I can accomplish some things and also be safer. So here I am. We lived there at the same time in the Wayback Machine, and uh, I haven't been back in a long time. The place has changed significantly, and I feel like I was there at the last of the good hoo-ha. Yeah. What's going on with COVID where you're at? As you know, I spent the greater part of 20 years here. I know you lived here for many years prior to being in Ashland, and we kind of did back and forth. And I guess it was maybe a little over a decade ago that we were both living inner city And yeah, that was really very much the tail end of what I would say was the best times of San Francisco, or at least the most creative, fun time to be there. Very vibrant, but it is very much the opposite right now. As I was explaining to you the other day, it's like the twilight zone. Everything's boarded up. It's a sad sight. There's guards wearing masks along the street trying to keep people who aren't wearing masks away from some of the facilities and businesses that are open, like grocery stores, for instance. For the most part, it's like Gotham City. It feels pretty dark. From what I understand, my friends that are in the service industries, like restaurants and bars, are saying that 38% are now officially closed for good. A lot of those kind of heading that way because of gentrification and increased rent and everything. But it's gotten to the point now where most of these places are not going to come back. They're gone forever. So what are those people doing? Where are they going? Because clearly with no business and no income, they can't live in the most expensive city in the world. Right. The conversations I've had have basically been, you know, hey, we received the PPP loan, which is like an SBA federal loan to begin with, that assisted in paying some employees to keep the business afloat temporarily. But it was very minimal, definitely not enough to sustain any business longer term. And what's happened from there is people have gone on unemployment because even if they were to continue working, most businesses couldn't afford to keep them on full time. So it was actually better for them to be on unemployment for a while. Now they've cut back on unemployment. People that own these businesses now are obviously not receiving their income unless they had some kind of investor that was facilitating that for them. So it's getting dire. 
I'd say now that we're about six months in, it's looking very bleak. The economy is in really bad shape. Much more so than I feel like people even want to acknowledge or admit because we've been so affluent and complacent. And it's very clear that it was a system that was not sustainable if it could break this easily. How are you dealing with all this? I think I'm one of the few people who was already living my life in a very unconventional way. I had given up my life in San Francisco, quote unquote, for the most part, a few years back when I started to travel and began to pursue my music career. And in that pursuit, I had to give up the job that I had in San Francisco, which was very much that six-figure job that consumed my life and also the catastrophic rent that also consumed my life and all of my money. So I was stuck in that and I pulled myself out of it. So I'm very fortunate because I was living in Mexico, paying very reasonable rent there. Even though everything was crazy, my grandmother passed away and I had major family things going on and COVID had hit it once and it was pretty traumatic for me personally. I'm obviously reevaluating what I could be doing and how I could be living my life out here. Yeah. For me, one of the most heart-wrenching things is the inability to go on tour. I was in the process of lining up tour dates throughout Europe right when this thing hit. I actually released my EP on February 22nd, which is about two weeks prior to complete shelter in place in the Bay Area, which for me just came as a total surprise. I actually did have a ticket to London that I ended up canceling at the last minute, knowing that I more than likely would not be able to return home. So as far as music stuff goes, I'm in a very deep writing phase right now because really what else can I do? I'm not really able to collaborate with people on the same level that I would like to. And even though there are some people available, I don't personally feel safe because I'm immunocompromised and I also don't want to be socially irresponsible by gathering in groups. So I haven't done any recording. I haven't really been meeting up with many people. I have a couple of friends that I've met up with on an outside distance level to jam with. But in general, I've just been doing a lot of writing and production on my own and obviously, you know, playing guitars and keys solo, which went well for a while. But lately, I'm definitely feeling the heaviness of it going inward too much versus having these external experiences and adventures in my life to bring back to these songs. So is this therapy anymore? Am I actually like making myself depressed? <laughs> Your life has come to a screeching halt and you're not used yeah. to that. And most people aren't used to not having just the basic freedoms to do certain mm -hmm. things as a human being and alienable rights that have been taken away by a situation that clearly we have no control over. And are these decisions correct? Should we be engaging in certain practices? Are masks really helping? We get no right. clear messages from anybody. You would think that there is at least one expert in the medical field that could represent and let everybody know what is real and what ain't real. But we're not getting any real information from any singular sources. And that concerns me that we don't even cooperate on an emergency level. We have these flashes of getting together when any kind of common threat occurs, but it really shows right. our weakness. It's exposing even more of our weakness. And uh, where I am clearly is in much better shape than where you are. We didn't have anything for 99 wow. days, not one case, not one reported case, but it's still way off the chains in the States. And I don't see that ending anytime soon. Yeah, it's kind of a different animal. I'm not going to pretend to be an expert or, or really even know any more than anyone else does. But one thing I would say and one thing I do believe in personally is to trust your intuition. People have gotten really out of touch with that. And I think there are moments where, you know, you feel safe in a situation. There are moments when you don't. 
And for me, I have to kind of trust myself more than ever. And I would hope that other people are doing the same and not just grasping for any piece of knowledge that they believe to maybe be true because at the end of the day, everything's subjective and you can find information to back up any fucking theory you want. It's a blessing and a curse, but I'd love to try to put a positive spin on it. For myself, I try not to get too deep into the news thing too much. I try to stay current with NPR and public broadcasting and things like that. I listen to interviews of people on the front line and scientists and people who seem to really know what they're talking about. I don't pay attention to headlines and the mainstream news seems like a bunch of garbage to me. We literally are living in a cartoon world. This is the worst dystopic movie you could ever imagine. We are the disease. We are multidimensional beings that have an opportunity to have an incredible experience together. But we're such knuckleheads right. still. We see nothing but the stupid shit yeah. in front of us. Yeah, people are very sick. And I don't mean that in a judgmental way because I also have some of these tendencies that I was raised with that were sort of ingrained in me, not necessarily through my family, but culturally in the society that have impacted the way I think. And I've had to relearn my way of thinking as a result of it traveling around the world, living in different countries and being in different cultures and then returning here and, and returning here really less and less over time. I saw it more and sort of this insight that you've got to be somebody. You've got to be somebody, whatever that might be. And if you don't trust your own sense of your dreams, you think they're not possible, you're going to go after whatever you possibly can to become that somebody in this idea that you have of yourself and you have to be successful and you have to make money and you... And I feel like that's the problem right there. Like Ram Dass says, become nobody. What about getting back to who you really are in your essence and to your purpose and knowing that you can actually do that? We've all had these moments of fear. I know you have, I most certainly have, deep-set financial fear. And it's unfortunate that it affects people's mental health so much. I see people stress themselves into serious health conditions as a result of this stress that comes with the need to make money and to have enough money to survive here. And truly, nobody really ever does have enough here. It's sort of this endless funnel of this belief of never enough. and. It's not the truth of abundance, in my opinion. I think the truth of abundance lies in purpose and in intention and living your life that way, even when you are scared, even when you don't have, quote unquote, enough money. For me, pursuing music has changed my life. I never thought I'd be able to actually do it. And for whatever reason, I guess maybe I'm fortunate I've been able to rearrange my life in such a way that I was able to focus on it for the greater part of three and a half years. I don't know that everyone is able to do that. People have kids and families and things, but I think that ultimately our essence is to live by purpose, not by the structural societal thing that's been set up for us. It's deconstructing at such a rapid rate that I hope people get to a point where they can realize that about themselves and that it's not just about chasing that anymore because that just doesn't exist. It's very clear that none of that was real to begin with. It's all a man-made construct, including time itself. That's evolution. It's slow, it's methodical, and it's one person right. at a time. It's not the herd being changed. The herd cannot be changed. 
Huxley said it's going to take 10% to convince the other 90%. And if we're only at 1% of the world who's really, as they say, woke or living in that reality of awareness and gratitude and intention, it's a lot of work to convince people that what they're doing is not working. Yeah, especially when you have all of these comforts and you have these things that activate your pleasure sensors all the time. People, especially in America, are addicted to their pleasure sensors. Food, the media, the entertainment, sex, it's constant. So how can you ever possibly become aware? Some people believe it's actually happiness, but it's not. I think music is actually the one thing that might pull us out of it. Music is kind of our saving grace because it's the one thing in my experience in my life, pre-COVID obviously, that could bring people together as a group. And the majority of connections that I've made in my life that have been really meaningful have been through music. And I think as a collective, it's going to bring us back together because we are creative beings. And I think that music is crucial to our survival. A goal of mine has been about inspiring young women to know that there's more resources now than ever to be able to become your own artist. All you need is a pen and a pad of paper to write a song. Kids don't know how to use a pen and a pad of paper. Yeah, I was noticing that a bit because I was one of the very last crew of kids who learned how to write cursive. I actually had to write a lot of my essays and things like that in cursive. And just as I was getting out of school was when they started bringing computers in. So I had to kind of teach myself how to use computers and how to type. And then managed to go without a cell phone, I think until, a real cell phone, I think I had a flip phone at about maybe 18, 19 and moved into a cell phone at like 20. It's crazy to think of these really young kids, how advanced they are now at such a young age. It's really hard to try to figure out if they know what's real. They may be advanced in the tools that they have, but they're still emotionally way behind the curve. How are they going to have real relationships when most of their relationships are electronic? They don't even know how to be with each other. Yeah. I go to a coffee shop at 10 o'clock at night. I look around that coffee shop. Everybody is looking at their phone. Every single person. Fucking nuts. Yeah. I've definitely noticed an increase in my use of social media. Facebook, I don't really do. I'm on Instagram quite a bit more than before, I've noticed. But it's difficult when you want to know what everybody's up to. Definitely challenging. And being in the music world, for me, it's my only outlet right now. So I've done live streams where I've just done raw performing with some gear and some pre-recorded music as well. Tell me about your latest project, your latest release. My EP is called The Wren. The reason why the album is called The Wren is because I have a series of incidents in my life where birds have followed me indoors. And there's been a couple of instances where they haven't been wrens, but about a handful of times it's been a wren that I've found randomly inside where I wake up in the morning and the bird is just inside flying around in the room and I have to sort of coax it out the door. And for me, I always viewed it as this message of myself really needing to free myself and see out there flying. And I released it February 22nd of this year, right before the pandemic hit the U.S. I started the project about four years ago. I had just started to really feel that spark that I was on to a sound that I felt good about. And as you know, I've been doing music stuff my whole life. My dad put me in talent shows from the time I was really young, taught me how to play guitar and keys and drums and really everything that he played. 
So I was very fortunate to have been brought up in that. But it did take me my entire life to actually finally believe I was good enough to be able to put something out there. And then to now be in a time where I was able to do that on my own and not have to sign to a label, for instance, I've spent every dime I have pretty much on my recording and on my travels and making this happen. But I'm fully content with the end result.
me, it's really just about the message. It's about what I have to say. It's about my journey. It's about inspiring other young women if they feel that spark to believe in themselves because it took a long time to really feel that way. And it's been a really fun ride. So I'm happy about it. It's out on pretty much every platform except for Apple platforms. I recommend Bandcamp as a place to stream and also download artists because they treat us the best. They take the lowest percentage and they even do days where they give you all of the money from your sales. And they're just a really cool platform for independent artists to use to share your music. I see hidden messages in everything, especially since I started writing about my life experience. I'm starting to look at things from a totally different perspective. The beauty of creativity is that it causes you to stretch yourself in different directions and view every experience as just an experience. It's not necessarily good or bad because you can take that and you can formulate something beautiful out of it and something that will hopefully inspire others from that experience. I think the most important thing to focus on is our purpose. Also embracing our demons, working with them, working with our lessons that we're faced with, but also telling our stories and, and not being afraid to be vulnerable and put ourselves out there and, and really speak our truth, regardless of what kind of judgment might result from that. I've definitely incurred a lot of negative energy as a result of my music. I've had a lot of controversial opinions and ideas being formed about me and about my music. And those are all, as I view it, part of the journey and part of my lesson and also realizing that I needed to care a lot less about those kinds of things. I could give two shits what anyone thinks. I care how people feel, particularly the people I love and I've formed relationships with. And I do care if I offend or hurt people, but I don't care what anyone thinks of me. And you can't, you have to keep pushing forward, especially if you're a creative and you're trying to put something out there that's hopefully gonna make the world a better place. Opinions are like assholes. Everybody has one, so. Yeah, totally. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure it was Theodore Roosevelt that said, if you're not ruffling some feathers, you're not doing anything. <laughs> yeah, a good friend of mine recently said, you ain't shit till you've got haters. I'm so glad that we got to do this, and uh, you look amazing as always. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, and I'm so happy that you got your record dialed in, and uh, I love watching you perform. It's super fun, and just keep doing what you're doing, and that's all you can do. Right. Love the one you're with, which is you. Maybe that's what that song was really about, love the one you're with. Love yourself, and then you can be with everybody else. Yeah. song that uh, there's a lot of Christmas songs out there and uh, not too many Hanukkah songs so uh, wrote, a, wrote a song for all those nice little Jewish kids who don't get to hear any Hanukkah songs here we go put on your yarmulke here comes Hanukkah 
so much Hanukkah to celebrate Hanukkah. Hanukkah is a festival of lights. Instead of one day of presents, we have eight crazy nights. <laughs> When you feel like the only kid in town without a Christmas tree, here's a list of people who are Jewish, just like you and me. <laughs> David Lee Roth lights the menorah. So do James Conkirk, Douglas, and the late Dinah Shora. Guess who eats together at the Carnegie Deli? Bowser from Shanana and Arthur Fonzarelli. <laughs> Paul Newman's half Jewish, Goldie Hawn's half too. Put them together. What a fine looking Jew. You can spin a dreidel with Captain Kirk and Mr. Spock, both Jewish. Put on your yarmulke, it's time for Hanukkah. The owner of the Seattle Supersonicas celebrates Hanukkah. O.J. Simpson, not a Jew. <laughs> But guess who is? Hall of Famer Rod Carew. He converted. We got Ann Landers and her sister, dear Abby. Harrison Ford's a quarter Jewish, not too shabby. <laughs> Some people think that Ebenezer Scrooge is. Well, he's not, but guess who is? All three Stooges. Tell your friend Veronica, it's time you celebrate Hanukkah. Oh, bar, get a harmonica on this lovely, lovely Hanukkah. So drink your gin and tonica and smoke your marijuana. If you really, really want to have a happy, 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 happy Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah. Well, that's the show. I hope you enjoyed it. It was super fun to actually see Allison, as I have not seen her for many moons, and uh, do the whole Zoom thing. As a matter of fact, at 7 a.m. tomorrow, my time here in Vietnam, I'm getting on a Zoom call with my entire family in the States for a Zoom Hanukkah party. That should be really fascinating, interesting, and uh, fun. 
I'm looking forward to seeing all my relatives. And uh, it used to be my mother who would throw the Hanukkah party. So it's interesting that she's gone and the party can't happen because of COVID, but we're going to make something happen anyway so we can uh, make that connection. I will continue to do the Zoom thing. Last week when I had uh, Rich Reese on the show, it was awesome to see him. And uh, Nick Depew, it was cool to see him. I had not seen him in a long time. So anyway, all is good here again in uh, Vietnam. I'm a happy camper and uh, I have nothing to complain about. I have everything I need. I have everyone I need. I get to talk to my daughter occasionally on video, which is great. I speak to my children's mother pretty frequently as well. Been doing a lot of writing with my son, Sam. I had mentioned a couple of weeks ago that Sam was on a path of self-destruction in a quest to find himself. And he has pulled himself out of that, of course, with the help of others and is doing really, really well. And we write each other regularly. We spoke on the phone last week. His mother went to go visit him. He's on one of these rehabilitative ranches where he's working and he's getting his GED and getting healthy. And I really feel that this difficult path that he's chosen is going to make him a more valuable human being and offer a lot of interesting introspective experience and perspective that's going to help others. That's the real school. My daughter is out of school. She's at home with her mother over the vacation. You know, there's no classes. She's over at OSU. So she gets an extended period of time at home. But I think there's this weird thing that school is doing, an overcompensation, if you will. She's inundated with homework. So I think because they're not having live classes, they feel it's necessary to um, impose this additional work on students. And it's making her crazy and making her life even more stressful. So it's just the way we operate. I don't know that that is the best course of action, certainly not for my daughter. She doesn't need any more stress in her life but she's doing well she's overcoming and uh, putting her nose to the grindstone getting the work done citizen 44 with mark Ehrensberg is a listener supported presentation you can hear all the shows on Castbox, itunes and stitcher i'm happy that i can still do it from here in saigon vietnam thanks so much for listening as always and happy hanukkah to everybody who is doing that catch you next time thanks a lot This show is sponsored by Luna Sushi, lunasushi.com. This show is produced, engineered, mixed, edited, recorded, and presented to you by Mark Ahrensberg. The song at the beginning of each show is called Nico Beat by Robbie Lindauer. The song Departure Family at the end of each show is by Lucky Doug Fergus. Thank you, Sam, Zoe, and Val. If whatever you're doing is not working, there's one way you can change that, and that's to change what you do, 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 change what you do. Yes. I am Citizen 44.
Hanukkah, oh Hanukkah, come light the menorah. Let's join the party, we'll all dance the horror. Gather round the table, we'll give you a treat. A silly home to play with and like us to eat. And while we are playing, the candles are burning low. One for each night, they shed a sweet light to remind us of days long ago. One for each night they shed a sweet light to remind us of days long ago. Oh Hanukkah, oh Hanukkah, a time to remember. Jolly, jolly holiday that comes in December. Every day for eight days, dreidels will spin. Crispy little lockers, tasty and thin. At nightly, so brightly. The candles of Hanukkah glow One for each night they shed a sweet light To remind us of days long ago One for each night they shed a sweet light To remind us of days long ago Oh Hanukkah, oh Hanukkah, come light of menorah Let's join the party, well all there's a horror Gather round the table, we'll give you a treat A city home to play with and lightness to eat And while we are playing The candles are burning low One for each night they shed a sweet light To remind us the days long ago one for each night they shed a sweet light to remind us of days long ago. Oh 